0: I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 280 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and this week, well, didn't go as planned. (laughs) We're supposed to have Dan Lorenzo on, but due to technical difficulties, that did not happen. Love Restream, but when it doesn't work, it's a big clusterfuck. Uh, They have this feature called Pairs now, so if someone else has Restream like you do, it's actually pretty cool. You can kind of sync streams up. And make them both go out on all of the channels that both of you are signed up for. All the social media platforms. For some reason, it defaults to that now. So I had several people that weren't able to log in. And the thing is, I've started to do, as as I mentioned, I've been mentioning with the last few episodes... I've been starting to do the first hour instead of on Fireside. I'm just doing it on Restream, and I'm offering it to you guys here because I think there's some cool conversations with some of my patrons about just current news, new releases, things of that nature. That's what this episode is going to be about. So we have Jeremy Weltman and we have Johan up in Sweden who will be joining us for this episode to talk about a bunch of different topics. Uh, I've started to go back and forth with them, and we've been, you know, I think it's been kind of cool. We've been trying to structure things, and that way we're able to talk about specific topics that are in the news. And I think it's made for a really cool discussion. So I hope you guys enjoy that. That's what this episode is all about. Uh, I'm inviting my patrons. I know, pain in the ass with the whole patron thing. Uh, It's two bucks a month. You get to be part of these quote unquote pre-shows, which is going to be the first hour of the show if you so choose. And then you'll be part of the discussions as well up on, um, well, that we do once a week and plus you're, you get into all the great stuff on Patreon. So uh, consider it. It's a lot of fun, troll-free environment. It's for music nerds like you and me. And I get that not everyone uh, likes Patreon. Do offer the possibility of doing a one-time PayPal donation. Excuse me. Fumbling all over my fucking words today. Excuse me. (laughs) And you can also do a buy me a pizza, which is what it's called. uh, Yes, it's a buy me a coffee. But uh, as usual, I wanted to be different. And I changed it from a coffee to buy me a pizza. You can donate whatever the hell you want on either one of the two, if you so choose. And if that's something that you don't believe in, because I know there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in paying for podcasts. Like it, share it, tell other people about it. You know, I could tell you, hey, like and, you know, leave me a review. It's been a long time since anyone has reviewed anything on Podchaser or on Apple Music or anything like that. If you haven't done so, consider doing it. You know, it's free. Let your friends know that you like what I do here. And we're gonna be kicking back up. doing more interviews. So the whole idea is that the first hour will be new releases, some topics that people come up with, and you're always able to jump in on the chat and throw your questions in there or comment while we're discussing different things um, while the show is going on. So you can join us there as well. And then the second hour will be dedicated to whoever it is that I'm interviewing. So, I think that'll be a cool mix of things. So we'll get some really good music talk. We'll be talking rock, talking metal. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but yeah, you know, just like you and all your friends did growing up, what you guys do now, you know, instead of going to Facebook and having to deal with a bunch of people's annoying comments, just jump on into the chat and let us know what you think. Anyway, Uh, This episode was recorded live July 8th, 2022, and this is going to be the first episode released this week, first of three, so uh, I'll mention more of that during 281, which is going to be a continuation of what we're talking about here, so you'll be able to check out the first hour with this episode, and then the second hour will be part of... 281. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome one and all to the July 8th edition of these Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by Mars Attacks Podcast and VMR IT web design, audio editing, and all that great stuff. Uh, we have Dan Lorenzo coming on the show in about 90 minutes to talk about Patriarchs in Black, his latest project. And in the meantime, supposed to be joined by uh some of my patrons to discuss a few different topics here um funny enough though I gave them the wrong link so I hope that people will be joining me momentarily so hopefully this is the case I just uh completed three this I should say converting last week's episode into three separate podcasts about an hour each where we go down um, the first uh, first second and third hour of last week's thrash countdown it was a little over three hours in total it was a ton of fun to talk to. To you guys. Let's see, you're in the waiting room. Um, Interesting. Someone who's... It just shows you as Facebook user, so I'm not sure who exactly you are. But, uh, yeah, if you're... If you're on Facebook, unfortunately, Facebook does this whole... Thing where um, where you need to actually log into this site and give give us permission to see who you are. Rob Rowe, great to see you. Okay, so it's you, Jerry. What do you mean you're in the waiting room? Ah, what the hell is going on here? All right, hold on a second. Let me do this. try uh jeremy i I sent a um a different link check check the link that I sent to you in uh what's up and try that because uh restream has started to default to their pairs links again, which is beyond stupid, so i want to say hello to uh not only rob Rowe, who's back in here for the first time in a while. But uh, also we have Bill Elam, who is joining us as well. So there's Jeremy. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Victor. I
1: finally made it. I'm in. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. Good. 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 Yeah, I'm fine too. I um, had a bit of a problem last week with my foot, but uh, it's starting to repair itself, so I'm starting to walk a bit now. So, uh, feeling good, and uh, the weather's good, and as you can see, it's still quite bright here, even though yeah. it's quite late. <laughs> well, the sun.
0: yeah, sun went down for me about um, 40 minutes ago.
1: Okay, yeah. So it usually You're- goes
0: down at about... 10 20 10 30 my time but yeah wow still sunny out yeah well we're right
1: in the, in the middle of summer so uh yeah it's going to be going down probably in the next half hour i suppose
0: yeah wow very cool so trying to send the link to johan as well but uh in the meantime jeremy we had uh well first of all let's let's go through some New releases here, real quick. I'm okay, sputtering. Uh, here, forgot to pull up the new releases. And I thought, what am I gonna do for the next 90 minutes? <laughs> <If> I <laughs> mess up. And I, I just realized, oh, yeah, I've got this whole new releases thing. <laughs>
1: so, Bye guys saying hello to uh, the guys checking in there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all right. So today I wrote about an album from Farewell to Fear, which is called Polarity. Um, The band, uh, look, as I often say, they're not reinventing the wheel. Um, It's a mix of a lot of different things. I mean, you could see it as, you know, modern radio hard rock, but there's other things like uh, Old Sabbath and Metallica peppered in there. And uh, they point towards Pantera and Megadeth on some other songs. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was a a good album. Um, I, I left some of the more uh, AOR-ish albums alone because I thought that <laughs> uh, Mr. Weltman might be interested in, in either one of... Uh, those albums, one being the Journey, the other being the Clean Break album, which features uh, Doherty. Yeah, Dorty? Yeah. No, I'm I'm mixing that up. R- wrong American Idol guy. Um, I don't remember his name. He released a solo album on Frontiers last year. Um, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, I don't remember either. But yeah, I actually did listen to a little bit of that
1: album. Just just a couple of tracks. It was okay. But right. I, I'm, I'm really raving about the new Journey album. I mean, right. I, you know, I I am a bit of a fan of Journey of their classic period. I mean, obviously, Escape is one of the greatest AOR albums of all time. Um, and you know, they they were talking up this album, and it's been a you know, it's been quite a few years since they've released something. Um, but I was very, 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 very impressed by this one. I mean, I thought it was uh, you know, I thought it was a, a big leap. I thought they'd they just sort of toned down some of the tracks really rather than having to sort of, you know, give a full on album all the way through. Um, Mm -hmm. There were, you know, there's a few surprising tracks on there. There was a few that reminded me of other bands. There was just one that was a bit Sammy Hager. There was one that was a little bit Billy Squire. Um, but But apart from that, it was all classic Journey. And there's, you know, probably about 15 tracks on the album, uh, it's about an hour and a quarter or so in length. Uh, you know, it's a double album. I'm going to be getting the orange vinyl through, and you know, I know Journey are not a band that everybody likes. They, you know, they are a softer rock band, but you know, Neil Sean is a great guitarist. Absolutely. That um, they've they found a great singer who you know obviously has replaced um, Steve on 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 vocals and. <laughs> What was that?
0: Both Steves, because they went from Steve Perry to Steve uh, um, a yellow or something like that. I forgot the second. Yeah,
1: one. yeah. So a double Steve substitution.
0: <laughs> so yeah, um, but but you know, it, this
1: is a this is just an album that's going to fill a gap in my collection. It's going to fill that AOR gap, which you always need when you just feel a, a little mellow moment and you just want to put on something, or you're working and you need something a little bit softer and it's I think it's superb and I, I did read um a review of it in a in a British magazine called Classic Rock recently mm-hmm. they gave it nine out of ten and I was a little skeptical you know I thought oh are they you know they talking up a bit too much I would agree with it it's a nine out of ten album
0: okay I I li- I checked out a little bit of it and I thought nah I I uh, this is one of these albums that I know you're going to go head over heels for so I said mm. I got Leave this for Jeremy. And I heard the second song, which to me reminded me a lot of separate ways, the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to any more of this. I want to hear what what Jeremy has to say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and I think you know they they released a few tracks off it beforehand. We'd we'd heard maybe right. three songs off it, and they were there. I really liked those. I thought that all three were good. One of them, I know that I think Brad had mentioned a little bit about the the production on it. He wasn't so keen on the production, but I right. felt that that particular song was slightly different to the others on the album, and that most of the album was very much in the classic journey production style so uh you know i was i was very pleased with it i thought it's a lovely mix of songs uh they have the hooks the melodies you know the catchy choruses which you expect on a journey album is it escape no it isn't obviously escape is up there they don't have to make another you know another album that is as good as escape you're never going to do it you know you're never going to reach those heights um but you know um you know, there's a lot of great mountains in the world and they're not always the biggest peaks.
0: Absolutely. So I, I agree with you uh, 100%. So uh, we're we'll welcome, Johan up in Sweden and his son, uh, to the show as well. How are you guys doing? Uh, Johan can't hear us again, looks like.
1: <laughs> Hi, Johan.
0: Hello. Okay, there you go. Cool. So, um, all right. So, some other new releases to come out today. New album by Oklahoma Kid, negative 13. Uh, our doors, I guess, is how it's pronounced. That's another one that I think you'll probably enjoy, Jeremy. Uh okay. Dead Tired, Seep, Blackwater Drowning, Gray Lotus, um bring Me, Eximos, <laughs> Opponent, Sweet Freedom. Canine and Crossing Rubicon. Crossing Rubicon is uh, probably another one that you'll enjoy. EPs from Left to Suffer, uh, Set the Sun, and uh, interesting because today's the date for the uh, Holy Diver Super Deluxe Edition, but I haven't Mm. seen it on streaming anywhere. So I'm wondering if they're not releasing it on streaming and it's only a, a physical copy. Uh, that would be interesting. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. What what I, I was sort of wondering what you get for the this new super deluxe album as well. I mean, I look to see obviously there's a there's a couple of vinyl um records in the in the record edition, and I think there may be three CDs. I think probably on the CD version you're gonna get some extra tracks and live stuff. But I was wondering whether there's anything extra with the vinyl or whether it's just Holy Diver.
0: Yeah, no, with the vinyl, if I remember correctly, and I can try to look it up here, um, it's the original album, remixed and remastered. Um, It's demos, and then it's um, um, live songs from that first tour.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds good. That sounds interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah, let me just confirm here.
1: It'll be very interesting to hear the remastered version as well, because obviously we know that's a, a real classic album. We've probably all got the original versions of that album, and, and you know, to yeah. maybe compare and contrast the, the the sound quality on on the new version would be, uh, you know, quite interesting to do.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing four CDs, two LPs, so there has to be a lot more. With the uh, with the CDs, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, and that's always the case, isn't it? With CDs, they tend to always st- stuff a load of extra stuff in there. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, all right. So, CD one is Holy Diver 2022 Joe Baresi mix. CD two is Holy Diver 2022 remaster. Uh, CD three is live at Sellin Arena, Fresno, California, 1983. And then CD4 is outtakes, singles, and B-sides. Because, for example, Rainbow in the Dark, I had that on a compilation, and I never heard the full version of Rainbow in the Dark until years later when I bought the actual CD of it. You know, I was, wow, there's another person here. What is this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, the vinyl is... So it's a 2LP clear vinyl track listing, so it's... The regular album, and then side three is uh, Evil Eye, or no, this is side, wait, LP1, LP, okay, so it's LP1, one, side one, side two, then LP2 has a bonus track, which is Evil Eye's 1983 version, B-side of Holy Diver, and then the second side of the vinyl is an etching. So yeah, yeah, has nowhere near as much material. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that was done to keep the price down because vinyl is going up in price, and maybe they figured that for a you know, if it's four CDs, it's probably gonna be um eight vinyl albums, you know. If you if you think about yeah. it, yeah. How, how much is that gonna cost? Is that gonna cost like a hundred and 100 or 200, you know, euros or pounds or dollars, um, you know, as opposed to just doing a a double vinyl edition, which will probably cost around anywhere between 35 to 50. And then the the CD, since it's a four CD set initially, it'll probably be about the same thing.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think the, I'm sure I looked today and the vinyl was about 32 pounds yeah um so that that's about right uh you know on, on current current prices yeah and they, they, they to me they didn't seem to have thrown in any extras you know sort of you know uh made it into a sort of a box set type edition with you know patches right. and stickers and and uh maybe a booklet or whatever yeah
0: which which they could have done and that would have probably made people buy both hmm. you know, yeah. if, if you think about it because. I mean, sure, the etchings are cool. I have a few albums that have etchings, but I wouldn't go out of my way to buy a vinyl album just because it has a cool design. You know, in this case, the DL logo etched into side four there. You know, it, it, that isn't a selling point to me.
1: No, exactly. I, I'd need a bit more, really, to go and uh, repurchase it myself. Yeah, exactly. you yeah. need a bit more. Yeah, I wonder if, if Johan's a big DL fan
2: yeah I guess I am um, at least not until uh, Dream Evil album so okay yeah uh, yeah I saw them my first time I saw them was on Dream Evil tour um, hmm I'd love to to buy an album or a CD with uh, you know studio outtakes and uh, alternative versions of uh those classic songs, that would be, yeah, that would be something that I would like to hear.
0: Yeah. So here you'll have the, the outtakes and, and singles and B-sides are, um, let's see, it's Evil Eyes, Win Davis remix, Don't Talk to Strangers, Take One, Joe Baresi mix, Invisible Take One, Joe Baresi mix, Invisible Take Three, Joe Baresi mix, Rainbow in the Dark alternative guitar solo version. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess these are pretty much all Joe Barresi. Uh, Straight Through the Heart, take two. Straight Through the Heart, take three. Rainbow in the Dark, seven-inch mono edit. Evil Eyes, 1983 version B-side uh, of Holy Diver. And then Rainbow in the Dark, seven-inch stereo edit. So that's what I'm assuming is, is what I have on the compilation is, is that so Mm, mm. Uh, shout out to my brother who just said hello in the chat. Hope everything is well. (laughs) Hope uh, the nerves are all nice and calm, uh, getting ready for the uh, flight over here. So, (laughs) Um, so let's see. We also had a few other deluxe editions. We had the bullet for my Valentine album, which came out last year with a deluxe edition. Again, this kills me. You know, a year later, just release all these songs at the same time when you release the album. You know, yeah. you're going to make the diehards purchase an album twice. Either that or they figure that maybe a lot of people stream the album and maybe they'll buy the deluxe version now. But, I mean, again, do something to separate it to make it a collectible, you know, as opposed to and, – and that's that's maybe something that that labels haven't thought of yet is releasing something on streaming and then releasing a physical copy which has different material on it or additional material so you do get people to buy the you know the physical copy as opposed to just streaming it so like like in the heyday when something came out on vinyl or cassette and the cd had the bonus track so you wanted to get that cd to get those extra tracks
1: yeah I I just think that you know some bands they release several releases all all in one go and they'll, they'll do you know so you have the basic cd you have the basic vinyl and then you then you then you have the box set you have the deluxe box set you have the uh, the super deluxe box set with the t-shirt and the patches and the and the extras and, and that's fine because they all have a different price and you can choose from whichever suits your budget, whichever suits your need. Some some of us, you know, we're big collectors, we'll go for the super deluxe, we've got big pockets and some of us haven't. And so, you know, we'll go for the CD because we just want to play it in the car or we're on the go. And that that's absolutely fine. But once they start messing about with bringing out another version six months, a year down the line, and they've pissed off the the, the true fan who's bought the album in good faith because that was the best version that was available at the right. time. You know, you're taking the piss. Uh, and I don't like it. And I know you don't like it. Um, yeah. It's not on.
0: Yeah. Well, what about doing what Black Sabbath did with 13 where they released the regular and they released the deluxe and then if you didn't buy the deluxe now you can't get its those six extra tracks that were on the original uh deluxe release now you can only get the standard version which has six less tracks
1: right right okay okay yeah i mean i've got those six extra tracks <laughs> <laughs> <So do> I- <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> uh yeah i mean you know that the I don't know why bands are doing all this sort of messing about. They don't need to do it, you know. Just yeah. you know what you want to do. You've got all the back stuff, you know. You've got all the extras. You've got all the stuff you, you you can give away as as sweeteners and just release it all in one go. I think that the new Aussie album is like that, where there are, as we looked last week, there were several versions of the of this edition, right. and uh, lots of different price ranges, and that seems to be fine. And as long as they stick at that forever then, you know, fans will be happy. They know
0: what they're buying. Right. I I agree. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So we also have uh, While She Sleeps, Sleep Society Expanded Edition. And then there's a, um, a new live album by Power Wolf, which we've been seeing videos for this almost since the beginning of the year. I mm-hmm. guess it was a um, – one of these streaming shows that they did during COVID, which they're now finally releasing on CD and DVD and Blu-ray. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how those have kind of trickled out. Uh, the other big one that's coming out now is the Anthrax one. Um, it still annoys the hell out of me that, uh, you know, knowing that these streaming shows, none of them were live, none of them. They were all pre-recorded to make sure that the band sounded as good as possible, made sure that, you know, they could redo songs if they weren't the way that, that they liked them. There's no reason why after teasing us with the uh, 40th anniversary documentary that they released on YouTube, there's no reason why they couldn't have recorded songs with all of the former members of the band that were included. The only like special guest was, Chuck D of Public Enemy, which okay, cool, but you're teasing me with showing John Bush for like four episodes. You couldn't bring John Bush in to sing one song, to sing a few songs from his era. I mean, that just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. So,
2: no, well, that's uh, too bad. I agree with you, Victor.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a, a missed opportunity because. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're celebrating the band's legacy, do it for the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it would have been that difficult to say, "Hey, look, we're gonna play, uh, um, you know, three songs from your era. We'll learn them, and 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 and, and then uh, you know, we'll we'll touch <laughs> on your era like that. Do that. Bring Dan Spitz in, even if it's just two or three songs. You know. So uh, let's see. Billy Elam is saying, "Kiss Destroyer. I bought the black." 2014 vinyl when the colored red black swirl then the deluxe edition box that came out and all I wanted was the extras so I got got the digital yeah destroyer is even worse because every so many years they release another edition of it it's me personally I love the um, the resurrected version that um, Bob Ezrin did where he remixed and remastered it from the original tapes. And I know that a lot of people don't like that because they're used to the original mix. What they released now for the 45th anniversary. Yeah. To, to, to me is a joke, because um, they didn't include those Bob Ezrin remixes. They, it's just the regular album with a cheap bootleg that's been floating around for for ages. That's another one that I hate. Priest has done this several times where they include a CD copy of something that's been floating around on YouTube for years. And then they include it as like, it's a big deal. It's like, Oh, well, you get this finally on CD, right? I could have just downloaded this off of YouTube. You know, what's kind of the point? I don't know. I just, I just feel like a lot of these bands are are missing the mark and and for the most part, it's the labels, but yeah. So you got the resurrected as well. And in five years time, they're going to have a 50th anniversary edition, you know, and now with these, um, the uh, soundboard tape series that they're releasing where they're, they're doing Des Moines 77. You look at that and okay. Uh, I'm assuming that it it isn't going to be as re-recorded as Alive or Alive 2. But you're getting essentially the same set list that you got for Alive 2, except for two songs. I think they include Let Me Go Rock and Roll and they include uh, Rock and Roll All Night. That's the only difference. The order's slightly different, but it's more or less all, all the same songs. I mean, just give me a box set that has all that stuff and just have like... Like as Johan was saying before, oddities, songs that they only played for one tour. Give me that all in one place, you know, because up until, you know, up until the 90s, they did that. When they toured, they would play four or five songs off of the new album to promote it. So give me those songs. Give Give me two CDs or two vinyls with all that stuff. I would buy that, you know. Um, in, instead of just, hey, look, they're releasing another live album with all the same songs that they usually release. So, um, Jeremy, you have a, a few things that uh, we had gone kind of back and forth about uh, earlier today. Uh, the, the, the first thing that kind of jumped out, you also mentioned it during the um, uh, patron's pick which uh, hopefully will be going up on you, not on YouTube, excuse me, on iTunes and Spotify and all this stuff after tonight's show. I'll, I'll update the RSS, but they, the, the shows are live on the, um, on the website. Um, But you talked about the new single by the cult. Yeah. One of my all time favorite bands. Um, Your first thoughts and, Please do not use the fact that Billy Duffy is a huge Man City fan as, as a way to color your eyes and, and make you just speak positively of the song. Tell us what you really think without thinking about football for a second.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I actually I actually saw them in concert as well recently. So, you know, they were in my mind. Um, I Initially, I liked it. Um, I'm not going overboard on the song, but I like it. I think it's um, it's a decent track. And um, my initial thought was that it's a we're a bit in the territory of last week where we were talking about Queensrÿch. Um, uh, Queens Reich. um right. So I think we're sort of thinking. I'm I'm thinking if this is one of the best tracks off the album, the album's not going to be a killer album. But if this is a track, which is a middly track, or a you know one of the worst tracks on the on the album, then it is going to be, you know, a, a really good album. I thought it was um, it's quite laid back um, and quite sort of you know it's got a sort of slow re- repetitive chorus in it, um, but it did sound fairly classic cult. You know, you could tell it was the cult. It what they hadn't gone off in a in a stupid direction and done something you know that was totally unrecognizable. Um, right. I thought that Billy Duffy's vocals, for the most part, were brilliant on it. But I just thought there was a couple of little bits early on in the track where he lost the key of the song a little bit. So I'm just thinking it's probably his voice now and and you know his ability to sing the song. Um, but overall, I thought it was good. I listened to it three times. Um, you know, it was just a it was just a very listenable, easy, easy listen kind of track, and I'm not you know, I'm not going totally overboard on it.
0: Johan, your son is saying, why do I want to see old guys on the screen?
2: <laughs> Tonight we have
0: both my sons here. <laughs> so it's fun.
2: <laughs> Sorry, keep on, boys.
0: <laughs> no problem. Uh Uh, Jeremy, you mean Ian Asbury. You said Billy Duffy. Billy Duffy is... Sorry, yeah, uh, of course I meant Ian, yeah. Yeah. You've got City on the brain.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, of course I meant Ian, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So uh, being the, the huge cult fan that I am, I think this is kind of what we've become accustomed on the last three albums from them. Um, they seem to, with the last few albums, not release the best song as a single. I don't know why. Because I, mm. I've just pulled up my playlist. Um, and, for example, for Choice of Weapon, they released Lucifer as their first single, then Embers, and then Every Man and Woman is a Star, which they're okay songs. But then once I got to hear um, Choice of Weapon... To me, the songs Honey from a Knife and For the Animals are two of the best songs they've ever released. Mm -hmm. And neither two of those songs are singles. I'm like, are you kidding me? These are great, fantastic songs, and they're not – and even with – I I mean, to me – okay, so everything after um, Beyond Good and Evil, Born Into This, Choice of Weapon, and Hidden City. They're good albums – but they're not great. They've got a few great tracks on them, but overall they're, Mm. I mean, what we've heard with this single to me is kind of par for the course with, with what we've heard on these last three albums, not bad, but not great either. You know, it doesn't suck by any means, but you know, it's one of these things where at least for me, I, I, again, I think, well, since they have been shoddy at picking singles, then maybe there's something, you know, there's something great on there. So we'll see. So, yeah.
1: um, Johan. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah,
0: no, go, go ahead. No, I was going to ask Johan real quick here. Are, are you a fan of the cult and have you seen them in concert?
2: Uh, yes, I have seen them in concert, but in later years at the Roskilde festival, but, uh, no, I'm not a fan, but I could okay. be, I could be, uh, <laughs> Just a band that you know. I didn't pay attention to them right. when they were big. There were other bands back then that were more important to me. So uh, the Cult is a band. I you know I, I keep them as a spare. You know I can I, I know I can pick them up, right and, and uh, like them. Uh, yeah. I've asked you in the chat or in the, know in the Patreon, what albums that I could uh, listen to. But um, so I have them, but I'm not ready for them yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I know I, that I,
2: you probably have bands like that yourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a good yeah. list of bands to check out. Yeah. You know, when when you have a free moment and you want to listen to something different, you, you go to the list and you and you uh you do that. I mean I think the cult, the interesting thing is their biggest album is Sonic Temple. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the most the album that's probably most like other bands. Like um Electric sounds a lot like ACDC, obviously. But I think Sonic Temple, they were kind of in the mix with other bands that were popular doing similar things at the time. Um, I think they made the mistake with um, Ceremony, the album after that, where they tried to make Sonic Temple 2. But then after that, each album sounded different. The self-titled sounded way different from anything else they'd done before. Then um, Beyond Good and Evil was completely different to everything. So I think since then, they've been good at, varying a lot of what the what they do while still sounding like the cult because i think that ian has a very distinct voice and i think the kind of magician in the band is is billy duffy who regardless what style he takes on of playing he he can either come up with huge riffs on the guitar or very intricate things that where he's playing layered guitar parts that sound nothing like some of these huge riffs that he does. So I think he's, he's great. He's, he's, mm-hmm. it's a, in my opinion, he's a very unsung guitar player from, from the 80s. I don't think he gets the credit that he should uh, as being the, the kind of guitarist that he is. But, in a uh, uh,
2: uh, question there, uh, what years did the cult were big? <laughs> I mean, really big in the UK and in, uh, and in the States?
1: Well, it was around, around the sort of early '80s, really, um, yeah. early to mid '80s. They were sort of peaking. Early, yeah, yeah. Okay. Early, early to mid '80s, they were kind of peaking. Yeah, they were. They'd be going for quite some time. I mean, they really started off as a goth band. They were sort yeah. of a goth alternative band. They weren't really a, a heavy metal rock band at all. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, most of their fan base was not rock rockers at all um when you used to go and see them you know in, when they first came out um they were really sort of getting the goth alternative sort of stroke punk um fan base and then it was only really when as as um Victor mentioned Electric came out that they kind of went into a more of a a heavier rock sound and, and went that sort of classic rock route and then after that they kind of morphed into all different directions and did lots of different stuff and were well known amongst the rocker community then. Mm. But it, it was a, it was a slow sort of slow burn into them really.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Because in the U S love, I mean, if, if you look at the album, love um, she sells sanctuary and revolution still gets mm-hmm. played on U S radio. Yeah. Um, and that was early eighties. And then, they recorded really? it like, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like 83, 84. And then Electric came out in like 86, I believe. Um, Electric was actually recorded and it sounded like love. And they spent... There was a whole big to-do where they spent like $3 million recording that album... And they scrapped it and re recorded it with Rick Rubin. Mm. And it ended up sounding the way that it ended up sounding, you know, more like an ACDC type album.
2: So, you know, I lived uh, my whole life thinking that uh, She Sells century came out around, you know, Appetite for Destruction.
0: No. Ah, Sonic no. Temple came out around the time of uh, Yeah. App- yeah. I think they toured together on that tour. For for those albums. Shit.
2: Okay. 49 (laughs) years old and learning new stuff.
0: Good. (laughs) There you go. That's why we do this, (laughs) Johan. Yeah, because um, Sonic Temple, let me look it up. Um, Because they they opened for Metallica as well on that tour. And they would wear t-shirts that would say... um, Uh, What was it? Uh, The Cult, the band that doesn't belong on this tour, something like that, because it was Metallica, it was like Metal Church or something like that, and then it was The Cult. Um, So that's what... Let's see here.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when they first kind of came out, they, you'd, you'd regularly sort of see the Cult on a show with with bands, uh, you know, very alternative bands. I mean, you you wouldn't be surprised if you saw the Cult on the, on a bill with, say, Susie and the Banshees and the Mission and um, you know those kind of bands really. Um, uh, and and their fan base was very different to the to the rocker fan base. You know, they they only kind of merged much later on.
2: Okay, yeah, that's so, Bill I would like to have seen with Mission.
0: Yeah. This Sonic Temple came out in 89, so much later. Mm. Uh Let's see. Bill Elam is saying, around Ohio, I probably went 10 years with sound engineers at arena shows playing one or more tracks from electric prior to concert starting. Yeah, I think for in the new jersey era area excuse me they either played firewoman or they played um, little devil probably or wildflower one of those three before shows all the time to get to get people pumped up for for the show that you were about to see so um, have they, uh, Jeremy in the UK, have they maintained popularity? I mean, in the U S you know about them and you know that albums are coming out, but you know, it's kind of one of these things where, Hey, the, you know, the cult's coming out with something, but you don't really hear anything else.
1: Yeah, no they they're nowhere near as popular as they were. I mean they they just recently did this sort of double headliner show with Alice Cooper, but you know the mere fact that Alice Cooper was above them and um, when they were when they came on stage, you know, there was a decent crowd there but it wasn't massive. Um I think a lot of their fan base has sort of faded and and has gone by the wayside with their sort of later albums which have been not quite as good I think as their heyday um and so no they're certainly nowhere near as popular as they were in the in the late 80s
0: gotcha okay um i as usual as the oddball that I am I'm still a huge fan i'll, I'll still check out whatever they they release but I don't think that uh you know i i beyond good and evil is my favorite album by them so um uh, I, I like the it's gone. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy.
1: No, I was just going to say um, my favorite's the self-titled one. I, I really like that. That's a, a great that album.
0: Great, yeah, and that one really—if you think about it—is kind of it kind of dips its toes in some of the early stuff without really going full on. Uh, but again, it's, it's so different to everything else that they've done. That's, that's what I love about them is that there've been several phases with the band where they've tried different things while remaining who they are. Um, I think mm. at that time with the, with that album though, um, they splintered apart so quick after that. I know that there was, you know, substance abuse issues, and then Ian Asbury went off to sing with the Doors for some years. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of things. And I know that he kind of said that singing for the Doors made him appreciate being the cult. So that's why he kind of went back and just has stuck with them since then. I don't, I don't know if he's released any solo album since then because he has released a few solo albums, which to me are not as good as anything he's done in the cult. And I know that, um, um, Billy Duffy has done some stuff with Mike Peters of the alarm, which is called color squad or something like that. But that's Mm -hmm. like full on like alternative rock. And it just, it just doesn't have like that, those same riffs that he normally has. And he also did a project called, um, Circus Diablo with uh I think it's Ginger Wildheart and um mm. a few other like pretty well known like players and that they only released one album and he was the first one to to bail but um yeah Uh let's see so another thing all right so we already discussed the Cult the Journey album um an- another band that uh, has been kind of went away a long time ago for some people, Aerosmith. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So Joe Perry is saying that it might be time for Aerosmith to do another album. Yeah. Uh, the last album is interesting because when they released the first two singles, I was like, wow, this is great. And then I finally, you know, you listen to the rest of the album and to me, you could tell there was a Steven Tyler album there. And then there was a rest of the band album there. So there were all of the like ballady, like pop songs were all the songs that Steven got on there. And then they, the other guys wrote, wrote the other stuff. And it was interesting because it came out at the time that, um, that the other four members didn't want all of the ballads. And he basically said, well, my ballads are what sells the albums so if there are no ballads on here, then there's no album and I'm not going to do it. So they were kind of forced to uh, to have those songs on there. Um, in your opinion, Jeremy, should you know, do we need <laughs> another Aerosmith album or after um, the, the last few have, have you know, have we heard enough?
1: What I would say is that Aerosmith are one of my favorite bands to see live. I've always enjoyed watching them up to, you know, very recently. And I've always thought that they've produced some amazing albums through their history So, you know, I can count three or four, maybe five albums that I could play again and again, really enjoy them. I picked up Pump recently, put it on, and I was amazed how much I liked it, even though I thought I didn't like it quite as much as I did. So, you know, they have produced some great stuff through their history. Mm -hmm. They've also produced some absolute turgid stuff as well. I mean, that Just Push Play album. I mean, all you should do with that really is take it in the garden in a safe environment and set fire to it because it's terrible. Um, and the latest album is pretty poor as well. Uh, you know, it's not one that I would go back to and play regularly. So the answer to your question is we don't really need any more Aerosmith music because they've produced so much in the past. You can go back and just listen to all the greatest hits that they've done. It's fantastic. We don't need any new stuff if it's going to be of the same quality, or you know the, those sort of stuff that I've just mentioned—Just Push Play and and the latest one. I mean, what's the point? It's um it's going to be you know half-ass stuff which pensioners <laughs> are putting out, and we don't need that. Yeah, you know. But if Joe Perry suddenly comes up with some great riffs and and Steven Tyler puts together something great and you know it's it's something of the permanent vacation and pump period, then yeah, we want to hear it.
0: Yeah, I, I think um Pump and even Get a Grip was, was a pretty good album as well. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, you know, like you said, just just push play, nine lives, uh Honking on Bobo, which was the the blues album, which was yeah you know, blues songs that you've already heard a million times done by a million other artists. Like, yeah. And know. to be honest,
1: apart from one or two tracks, they weren't even played well. I right, mean, right. you know, they, they, they weren't actually played with the feeling of a blues man. At least if you're going to play blues, play it with some feeling, but you know, they were just trying, there were rock and roll stars that just went into a studio and decided to play a few blues tracks without even feeling it from their heart. It was awful.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, so, uh, le- let's see here. Um, so it looks like my nephew Victor says that he's listening to uncle Victor's show and learning about metal. Well, Victor, when, when you get here in a few days, I'll show you how to point your finger like this at your father and, uh, give him some metal facts. So, uh, there you go. And, uh, uh, Bob Rowe is saying uh, he would like one more album, and he likes just just push play. Hey, you like what you like, you know.
1: If- I'm going to send Bob my uh, my copy in the post.
0: <laughs> well, now, will it be will that be before you set it on fire or after?
1: It's going to be after, of course. It'll just be uh, a load of ashes in a, in an envelope. But there you go. <laughs>
0: Now you realize, Jeremy, that for uh, uh, twice over the course of the last few weeks, I'm going to have a sound sample from you to start off the show <laughs> with, uh, with you speaking about setting things on fire. So uh, first it was, you'd rather set your toes on fire than listen to the new Def Leppard. And then now yeah. it's uh, burning Just Push Play instead of listening to it. So, yeah, well...
1: Whereas my wife often calls me an arse. I'm actually an arsonist.
0: There you go. <laughs> Johan, I'm assuming that you've probably seen Aerosmith at Sweden Rock, maybe?
2: Uh, yes, I have. Twice. And uh, one time at Roskilde 1994. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well,
0: good. Uh, good or bad in concert? Uh, I think
2: they were... <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy, but... <laughs> Actually, we were disappointed all the times because they were, I mean, even back in 1994, we have, uh, you know, big expectations on the band, but they were old back then. And when we saw them at Sweden Rock, 10 or 15 years later, they were even older. So um, they sounded good, but there was, um, how can I say it? Something three at it, it was like a sh- it was a show mm-hmm. but you couldn't see or feel so much heart in the right. show if you know what I mean they it's did a- what they did and they did it good but it's like it was like watching them on TV
0: right. Mm-hmm. So it was like they were going through the motions. They were kind of there, just did what they had to, and and that was it. Uh, it wasn't as, absolutely. as if they were there. and it sounded there.
2: good, but yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So so there you go. And now they've e- they even have Jeremy mm-hmm. or um. Joey Kramer. I almost said Jerry. Uh, Jeremy Kramer. Joey Kramer uh, isn't playing with them either. Mm-hmm. So. I mean and and talk there or, or the rumor is that uh, you know Joey and Steven aren't getting along. And Steven was originally a drummer, and I read Joey's book, and man, it seems like it's difficult for him to be in that band because Steven is hypercritical about how he plays things, what he wants to hear during songs, and and you know, Joey is is a decent drummer. Um, in his own right, and um, oh, okay, I was not aware of that—that his wife had passed away. But uh, I know in the past they, you know, when he wasn't in the band, his son was playing with the band. But now I think it's his tech who's been was scheduled to do these shows before uh, uh, Stephen went into rehab. So we'll see afterwards when they recoup their you know, final tour, uh, who's, who's actually playing.
1: Yeah. I think uh, Bob's right. His, his wife died, I think just this week and was only in her fifties, I think. Um, so that was uh, a a sad thing for for them. I I just feel that probably Aerosmith are not really going to play many shows anymore. And maybe Joe Perry's just sort of saying, he said, no, um, he wouldn't say no to doing new music just because, you know, it's just something to keep the Aerosmith thing going, I suppose, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've said this before, specifically with Ozzy, is if if they've got something decent to do, then why not? You know, but if it's, yeah. you know, a huge steaming turd, then nobody wants that <laughs> at all. Yeah. So...